Hello, and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse. Uh, this is a weekly podcast in which I, your host, Matthew Whitby, sit down with people all across the tabletop, RPG, and surrounding space. And this week, yeah, I'm delighted to be joined by the, the HTD Paladin themselves. Paladin, hello. How are we, how are we doing this, this fine fine afternoon? Uh, I'm, I'm recovering. I, got, I was sick all of last week, swimming in NyQuil and uh, Theraflu, so... This week is incredibly better because I'm coherent for the first time yeah. like week. It's sometimes I must admit there is those aspects though when you have those kind of ill weeks that that kind of lucidity that you have kind of some has your best creative moments. Like yeah, like I got some stuff in the fires now because of it, but uh, I don't know. I'd much rather like know when it's daytime. Yeah. Like that, it, it's not the case of like it's definitely not healthy to kind of shape your whole kind of creative process around you know a, a decent amount of Nyquil. Um, but when you know when when your body is like I need some time, um, you might as well you know make the most of it and get those yeah to get those projects in the fire. Um, well, no, awesome. Well, I guess yeah. Let's let's not let's not mess around. Let's kind of dive straight into this. Um, and sure. kind of for the people listening, then um, is like um, what's what's some of the things you've been working on? Um. Fixing my sleep cycle, I guess, but <laughs> uh, more seriously, um, I'm working on some on a couple of solo journaling games and some more 5e content because I need to pay bills. Um, yeah, no, with uh, Celia Una finally finished and out there, I have a lot of time on my hands again. So, so with uh, with Cena Una, it was um, again quite a kind of long scale project, I imagine. And uh, was it you were one of the, the kind of co directors behind it? Um, yeah, it was. If you don't mind me asking, what was that kind of like the ordeal from like start to finish, um, like project scope? Um, well, I got brought on as just the uh, like graphic designer for it because I needed like a few bucks. Uh, and like much of my life, it's gotten completely out of control. Yeah. Uh, to the point where people know me almost strictly for that and that alone. Um, <coughs> I'm so sorry. I'm still getting over the cold. No, no, it's by means. Uh, but I, I joined as just the graphic designer and then kind of escalated from there to being co-director. Uh, and originally the book was supposed to be like uh, maybe two classes, one island and like a handful of monsters. Uh, and like, I don't know, we were having a talk and I was talking about how we should probably have some more stuff to be able to engage with uh, so that people can like latch onto the book and it kind of escalated into what it is. Uh, the downside to that is that whenever I'm not working on a on a project that is going to be like 300 plus pages, it just feels small to me. Yeah, I mean, okay, so what was, what was it? it was how how many pages was it like? Uh, grand total 336. Wow, <laughs> I must admit. So, uh, I, yeah, was it? Uh, wait, let me switch to the tab. I've got like the the tab open, and in the kind of like description, it promotes like over two hundred fifty pages. You could like I think you're underselling yourself. You're like it's it's three hundred pages. Oh, we we thought we'd like be under the three hundred mark, but like as I'm doing layout, I'm like, oh, 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 oh God, oh God, what have I done? I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Oh no, by means like yeah, no, it's, I want it. Cool. This is authentic as it can be. <laughs> Good, cool. So the real action was, oh shit, oh fuck, oh god, oh fuck, oh shit, oh piss, oh fuck. Uh, as as a page count uh, went higher and higher. I, I guess like I guess it's kind of difficult because like especially when you're kind of looking at like the the world or kind of like setting guides, there there is always that kind of like line between like how much how much do we want to kind of give to the dms and the players to again like you said that kind of like ability to kind of latch on versus 
how much do we want it to almost be like a um like a collaboration where it's like the the setting guide is like a series of like hooks and kind of like suggestions to the dm to kind of take away and run with um did was was the kind of plan with then once you kind of i guess hit that hit when you came came on and were like we need some things for the players to kind of grab on was it that kind of idea to kind of expand out and i guess kind of um what's what's the phrase i'm looking for um yeah I, I guess i guess just 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 think about the many different ways that players and dms kind of approach i guess um uh, kind of these setting guides i mean i i i'm kind of the worst person to ask for this because sima una expanded very organically mm -hmm. uh my only suggestion was we should have more subclasses to latch on to and that became like oh well let's let's have like some subclasses too yeah uh we should have more stuff for dms to latch on to okay so let's find the world a little bit and make a few more monsters <laughs> And somewhere down the line, we realized we can't really do a sequel. Uh, so we had to include everything we could include into this one book, yeah. which became like feats and backgrounds and magic items and spells and like 50 plus month new monsters and 12 subclasses and two whole new classes with each of their own subclasses. And like half the book is just setting. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, Which is cool, but also... We had planned for a short adventure in the back of the book. Never happened. We just didn't have enough space. Yeah, it was no, already I, so large. I, yeah, I, I'll be honest. Like it's that case of yeah, that like to fit in. We're like, well, I mean, we can maybe push for four hundred pages. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm working on a new book, and uh, you know, I did my usual thing of like, okay, well, my first book was three hundred pages, so that must be the normal. Yeah. My publisher went, no, it fucking isn't. <laughs> No, that's not that's not fucking normal. Kudos to you, but what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, so when you know, let, let's pivot to like because because uh, when I spoke to you, uh, when I asked you kind of at the start, you mentioned working on like one or two kind of like journaling games, um, and I'm always kind of fascinated about that kind of like uh, single player kind of contained experiences. Um, do you want to well, do you want to serve one of the pitches up for one of these games that you're working on? Yeah, sure. I mean, I uh, I'm always fascinated by solo journaling games just because the idea of playing a game alone when it's not like a video game is so different because in games you can cheat right yeah but cheating inherently ruins the experience i'm trying to go for like uh becoming a better minecraft player if i turn on creative i'm kind of lessening my experience to be a better minecraft player you know mm -hmm. um so solo journaling games you have to be very very brutally honest with yourself which is difficult sometimes. Uh, last year near the tail end, I lost a very close friend of mine at the tail end of September. Uh, and October and November completely disappeared off my radar because I was just locked up in grief. Uh, and I started working on this solo journaling game just as a way to kind of process all the things that I was going through. Yeah. Uh, which is not a very good sell, admittedly. No. Uh, no, but that's what I, I think uh, one of the benefits I kind of have is at least journey games, they kind of allow themselves to kind of reflect the kind of um, emotional range of games. Um, you know, in the same way you had the Minecraft example, you have things like, um, I'm trying to think of a very emotional game on the other end of the spectrum. Um, you know, like uh, the, the journeys or the kind of this war of minds, the kind of, I guess. Spirit bearer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and yeah, I think particularly as well, the kind of, um, well, the way you kind of say it, the reflective nature or the self-reflective nature of kind of journaling games is a pretty good opportunity to kind of like, again, like channel or kind of work out how you process those feelings. Um, yeah. 
so no so what was kind of i guess um so the kind of i guess my frame of reference for journaling games is there is um ah oh, i'm blanking my uh the, the wretched um which makes use of uh, I, was about to say, I was about to say jenga uh but that's that's trademarked it's the it's the t- uh tumbling tower uh tm um yeah I'm curious about so what kind of I guess um, game systems did you kind of try to implement within your um, flight journaling game? None really. I just started working on it and trying to parse through it. Uh, the idea that I had in mind of it was the fact that like most people that I know in my daily life, <clears throat> sorry, no, most of what I know in my daily life now, who I work with or I'm friends with, have no idea really who I am. Uh, part of it is by design because I enjoy being a very unpredictable person. <laughs> uh, more and more, whenever I try to explain my past or my history to people, the more and more I just sound encrypted. <laughs> uh, and so I'm very, by and large, a really unknown person. People know of me, but people don't really know me personally, which has two effects of like, I can kind of do whatever I want, and it falls within the diagram of things that Paladin probably would do. Yeah. <clears throat> But as a side effect of like, people don't really know what I'm joking online. I talk like full grammar and punctuation. Uh, and that is sometimes off-putting to people. It's sometimes scary to people. You, you I, are, I, ha- I was going to say, uh, you were describing the exact same problem that people have with me. I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm very much the same. So I'm like, ah, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, sorry, continue. Yeah. Um, I lost this friend of mine and I realized that I've, I've known that friend since like middle school. Uh, and I don't really talk to people from even high school let alone people let alone people from like five years ago, you know, I'm 28 now. Uh, and I realized that, you know, this person had a very concrete idea of who I am. There was a reality to that person of who and what I am. And that's gone now. That version of me no longer exists. Um, so I'm trying to explore, you know, when you lose someone, uh, what portion of you is just gone forever? Yeah, wow. I I think I remember um, floating around a little while ago. There was the idea of um, there was like a comic um, which was talking about the idea of like doppelgangers, in the yeah. sense that every kind of communication or meeting you have with someone, uh, they're almost essentially creating like a, a doppelganger of their perception of you. Yeah, and you can do things to kind of shape that, but at the end of the day, when you leave and if you never meet them again, they're kind of stuck <clears> with that. Um, and yeah, what you're kind of saying, kind of yeah, kind of touches on a lot of those kind of sentiments um no yeah no it's it's yeah and i guess um would you say in kind of creating this kind of like uh through kind of journaling it it has kind of been a kind of a very kind of helpful process for you no okay oh no no i'm kidding i'm kidding i thought that'd be a funny way to answer Uh, i I appreciate the commitment to the of like no i'm actually worse for it this game is cursed um and (laughs) Uh, I'm at a point now where the only solution is double the therapy. I'm not sure how to accomplish that, but here we go. No, uh, it, it helps in in the sense that like I've been trying to push through it and trying to push around it uh, with other things in my life. <clears throat> I try to do the thing of like, I'll focus on this later on when I have more capacity I'll, and I'll work in the meantime, but I just couldn't work. Um, you and I worked on a project together uh, called Diesel. We did, yeah. Yeah, and I did a layout for it. And the reason why it took me so long to do layout is just I just could not function. I literally start working on it and then just stare at the computer screen for like a good hour. Just locked up. It's awful. Um, 
I got two Kickstarter projects that I'm like finishing up now that was supposed to be done last year, but I, I physically could not work through it. Um, but kind of just going through the grief in its entirety and kind of embracing it and kind of get to the other side of it. Uh, that's what helped overall. Yeah. And I, again, a first point, again, thank you so much for like, uh, like um, sharing it again. It's, it's kind of, um, I don't know. I, I, I was about to call it like, it's, it, it, I, I want to be careful with my phrasing and stuff like that, but I mean, in terms of like, it is, it is in itself like a beautiful sentiment. Um, this, despite the kind of, um, hmm, what's, 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 what's failing me? Um, if, uh, do you, I, I guess, just to say, do you know what I kind of mean? Or am I digging myself a hole here? <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> really honest, I have no idea what point you're trying to make. That's fair. I will just, you know what? I will use this as an opportunity to turn it into a segue and <laughs> and, and it away. Um, you, the other thing you can mention towards the start is again in needing to uh, make that paycheck, uh, pivoting towards uh, some D and D adventures. <laughs> um, did you want to like what were some of the uh, the kind of concepts that you're playing around with at the moment? Well, I did, I'm finishing up incantations right now, which uh, conceptually. Um, I guess it's kind of showing how some of the sausages made. Uh, I'm making it with Metal Leaf Games. They're funding everything and whatnot. They're paying us to make it. And it really started off as an idea of like, well, remember ritual spells from 4th edition? What if we had that in 5th edition? Yeah. And we have ritual spells in 5th edition, but they're nowhere near the same as they were in 4th edition, where they're like these big bombastic things that anybody could learn. And I thought, cool, well, so we have this idea of, of rituals from fourth edition into fifth edition. And that turned into, remember when you were like super into magic as a kid? <laughs> yeah. How the world felt like very vibrant and like witches and goblins and could be very, very real despite not meeting them. Remember that magic of wonderment and merriment you had as a kid where if someone told you that this magical thing existed, you were like, yeah, fucking does. I wanted to capture that. No, I, I must admit, I, I, yeah, I, I, I particularly like love the idea of of the um, kind of le leaning into that that childlike wonder, but then also the fact that of from like almost like a mechanical standpoint, the fact that in if you look across like movies and films, there's always the idea of like this random group of people who through no fault around they conjure some ritual or that's the, the kind of whole plan. And they're just everyday people who do this kind of ritual that summons this kind of like gray evil or does this kind of like body switching spell. I mean, there's every kind of like trope under under the sun uh, for like people casting rituals um, and kind of giving them the kind of, um, geez, uh, giving them the kind of oomph they kind of deserve is, yeah, I kind of like that. Um, to, to kind of turn it into a bit of a question then, what is, uh, what's one of the favorite, uh, of your personal favorite rituals that you've kind of put together? Oh shit! Um, that caused me to think, man. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm really trying to think. I just finished the last spell recently, and it took me such a fucking long time to make it. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe not favorite then, but you know, what, what what springs to mind? No, I literally cannot come to mind anything that I've done, uh, and that is the true error here, where I cannot recall anything I have done, which like isn't great, to be perfectly honest. I, I think there is something like a, almost like a creative like um, void that sometimes yeah. in, in like there's, there's projects where you hit that point where you're just like I'm mentally I'm, I'm kind of done with it and therefore you, I retain no information about oh I did that thing or I worked on that. <laughs> uh, actually, I 
I remember now I made a spell called uh, to grasp the sun. Ooh. Um, and uh, my favorite part about it is that it's completely useless by itself. The whole point of it is that when you cast the spell, you lock one other spell to cast uh, and time stops for you to finish up the spell. Interesting. Because uh, some of the casting times on these spells range from like 10 minutes to seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I, I like the idea of a spell that worked alongside explicitly with the other spells we were working on. Yeah. So so is it is it kind of the intention that someone would be kind of casting this ritual with as a component of another ritual almost like you'd cast a spell time would stop and you'd still another spell to cast when you finish up the second spell this first spell ends oh i see so it's like a yeah like a booster or like an enchantment or like yeah like an yeah not an enchant- enhancement sorry um, yeah, kind of a guarantee that you won't be interrupted yeah i i must admit yeah but i guess it kind of you know the the, the idea of like the heroes like marching up to the scene of a ritual site and the idea that the ritual they see finish is this time stop ritual. <laughs> so they're, they're stuck in time. Then the baddies kind of have the moment to kind of conjure up the other kind of um, ritual as well. Um, no, that, yeah, that, that, is, that is a really cool spell. And I like I like the name. It immediately kind of made, made me worry that it was going to be something to do with like, I don't know, like grabbing the sun and pulling it towards the planet. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not Brendan Mulligan. I, that's not my jam. <laughs> nice. So... Also, so I uh, talking um, as as another kind of like um, uh, segue. Um, one of the <clears> other <throat> things that you've kind of been working through at the moment is uh, was it polyhedral? Yeah, polyhedral. Um, which again, as as someone who I, I you know I spend a decent amount of time interviewing designers and stuff like that, um, you've kind of gone ahead and, and kind of put together well putting together like a book to chat with like a bunch of kind of designers. Um, yeah. I just kind of wanted to ask what was kind of what was kind of like. Uh, I guess, what did you kind of want to achieve with Polyhedral? Nothing in particular. I, I just got very frustrated one day working on Cena Uno doing some of the background dev stuff that, like, you never really know about. God, I'm every now and then I'm going to say a word and I'm going to say it weirdly, and it's because I'm trying to suppress a cough in the middle of a word. No, but by means, yeah, I like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I got frustrated doing some of the dev work that no one really warns you about ahead of time. Uh, on on Sina Una, and I tweeted out one day that uh, I'm really frustrated. So I'm gonna make this book where I talk to other devs about like some of the problems we deal with, and a bunch of my other dev friends were like, "Yeah, that sounds great, do it." And I'm like, "You fuckers know I'm joking." <laughs> uh, originally, the the subheader for a polyhedral was <coughs> uh, a Twitter joke that's gotten completely out of control. Yeah, or a tweet that's gotten that's clearly gotten out of hand but uh it's evolved over time into just kind of removing the veil from the people behind the games that people play Mm. a lot of time people think you have to be like qualified to or you have some kind of training or degree in order to make these things and you really don't um like people are very surprised that cena una is my first project uh the only, the only qualifications to making this stuff is to just go through and make it. Yeah. And no, I, I was going to say, I, I, I really kind of, um, uh, I kind of li- like when projects kind of, again, it, it seems like there is like a good third of projects that start as those kind of throwaway, throwaway jokes from Twitter. Um, but then that's sometimes kind of the, the allure of them. Like the reason, why I, like sometimes when you throw ideas out there into like the, 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 the void of social media and then you kind of get that reception back of like, 
oh maybe maybe there is you know this, this maybe this thing does kind of have 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 some legs um yeah and it's funny how like again talking about like you know um polyhedral kind of ties back into what you're saying earlier about you know pulling behind the curtain and kind of getting to know the, these kind of developers and stuff like that um I'm, I'm curious like again just because so I, I i again my podcasts uh, are fairly kind of formulaic i have i have my list of questions um was that kind of approach that you had where you kind of went into each interview with like questions in mind or was it quite kind of i go into it with a couple of questions in mind but by and large they're just conversations um which unfortunately means i talk a lot which it makes it hell for transcription work uh because like if you don't like hearing yourself talk like i do i haven't hear yourself talk for 60 90 plus hours yeah uh it's a private torment it's private hell yeah wow so so was that literally how some of the some of these kind of discussions were again not i imagine my mind went straight to the idea that it was like a a bunch of like one hour chats and then like a 30 hour chat (laughs) but i imagine they kind of all kind of varied in length yeah they're all like they're they all typically fall around an hour and a half to two hours um and we just kind of run around uh sometimes i'd have a designer who talks left and they would just ramble on at length sometimes i'd need i would be talking to someone who needs a bit more prounding before they really get into it uh but by and large uh the thing i kind of picked up on in it was that people are more inclined to be honest and uh forthright if they can just talk openly um because a lot of interviewers that i found in my time in the sphere uh will strict to a stick to a schedule of interview questions and as a result they'll get what they want but not what they could get yeah um trying to think of an example uh at one point in one interview uh me and the other designer are just screeching about our times playing 3.5 D D. uh and another one uh someone is talking about their upbringing i didn't explicitly ask but it's where we got to yeah and having seeing what people want to talk about or what they veer into when they talk about things is incredibly interesting to me because i i I could definitely be asked questions about like my work work ethic or my daily life or my schedule but i don't have a schedule yeah my daily life kind of meanders but like I could definitely talk about why I fucking hate retail. Uh, I could definitely go on and on about why I hate working retail and why I'm never going back again. Uh, or I can definitely talk about that kind of just weird shit and media that I haven't uh, taken in. Yeah, I, I was gonna say. Uh, so I just because just because we're, we're on the topic of that, um, I I have like a retail question that I have like sorry a retail story that I haven't been sure. able to tell on this podcast. But uh, rather than just me ramble first, have you, you got like a, a retail story? <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very unfortunately, I worked at a theater during the summer of 2015. Magic Mike XXL came out during that period. Okay. Uh, are you familiar with the series? I, yeah, no, I, I'm, a, you know, uh, what's it? It doesn't got um, Matthew McConaughey in it. Um, it, it has Shane Tatum. I don't know what other like, guy, but it has Shane Tatum in it. Yeah, either way, just like men, like you know. Yeah, very, very, very handsome buff men stripping, and like <laughs> cool. But also, I I work as an usher on the weekdays and an as a creator on the weekends, and sometimes I help with cleaning theaters. I uh, you don't know horror like seeing a condom wrapped cucumber. Yo, that's, 
oh no but you also don't know joy like seeing someone pick it up and ask why is there a condom on this cucumber yeah those poor innocent souls (laughs) yeah wow yeah but like i shit like that uh and and like the rampant racism and entitlement in like people upper upper middle class people living in the midwest i i just can't i fucking can't sometimes yeah no uh, I, no i'm definitely with you like retail is like so i used to work as like, essentially like a cashier um yeah. and the the kind of the you do, i don't know what it is it's just like i'm i'm just here like i'm 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 16 years old i'm just here to boop items and i'm i'm here to get you get you out as quick as possible um and some of the things i had to had to kind of endure um the weirdest experience i had is is the time that i accidentally cost the shop that i was working at i cost them like 500 pounds because it was uh it was late at night uh, we were just about to close close uh, our shop and these two women come in um, and they're trying to buy like um, 500, like almost like a thousand pounds worth of like port. So really kind of like expensive, like uh, whiskey and all that kind of thing. Um, and thankfully, because I was kind of like underage, I couldn't scan it through my, my, my cashier. So I had to have like my manager come by. Um, and I remember it distinctly because one of the women, they had a gold tooth. And it just, you know, when you just have that memory that always just like sticks into, you, into your head during that whole thing. Um, yeah. So they 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 put all the port through. Um, they want to pay in in cash. Um, so they hand out like the in twenties. They place it all down on the table. I take it off them. I count it. Um, and uh, that's when they take it off me a third time, and they count it a third time. So at the moment, I've counted to a thousand. Like a thousand has been counted to a collective like of three times. So I'm just like, okay, whatever it is. There's enough money. I put the money in the till. Um, and what it turns out is is that they want all this port delivered the same night. Um, and apparently it's for their mother-in-law. Um, again, weird facts that kind of hold on into the story. Um, but I was just like, uh, or my manager was like, that. sorry, we can't deliver. It's, it's literally closing time. We don't have anyone to literally drive a van out to deliver all this kind of port that you have. Um, so then they were like, ah, forget it. We just kind of want a refund then. Um, but what had happened is, is in the third time when they caught uh, counting out the money, they'd slipped away some. Um, and, and into when I put the cash in the till and then when I gave them their refund, I was giving them some of their money back and some of the money from the till. So I was giving, I was essentially giving them more money than they kind of came in with. Um, and thankfully, again, I probably would have got in more trouble with it had my manager not been kind of over my shoulder, not noticing anything. Um, but that's, that's, that's my retail story. Again, it's not quite as short and sweet or as, as kind of cinematic as, as yours, but I've just, uh, it just, it just stands out. I, I'll never, I'll never forget that. It's just frustrating shit that people pull on you. It's yeah. it's baffling the kind of I want to say callousness people regard people who work in the service industry. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Hot time. Well, so to uh, bring it back to polyhedral, uh, I'm curious. Then is is I, I guess <clears throat> more out of the kind of all the conversations you kind of had. Um. Oh, I, well, I, I, I again, I, I hesitate to keep asking you, you kind of like what your favorite is. But I'm curious about like if there were any kind of interviews or discussions that you had that kind of caught you by surprise. Yeah, um, I was interviewing the people behind Morkborg. Interesting, yeah. Uh, and one of them was talking about how like, you know, when they were making the game uh, during the night, you know, they, the writer of the team would be writing about killing people. But during the day, he'd be researching how to save people because he's a COVID researcher. <laughs> 
that, I, I must admit, it's it, 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 like it's almost like yeah, the the uh, two sides of a coin. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. No, no. Um, but yeah, like uh, that kind of tells exactly because it's just being kind of this funny thing of like, how the fuck does this work out? You know. Um, I don't think of what else because I, I it's a lot of interviews yeah no I, so i get so so basically as as part of like uh what i do what i do when i'm not doing like the tabletop rpg stuff is is that kind of uh interviewing people and and then for like for like studies and that kind of like academic side of things um so i kind of know i know the kind of the pain and suffering of, of sitting through one the transcribing um and ah, th- there's that little thing where as you're kind of going through and you're transcribing something where you notice that point of like i should have asked this question here like or you know and, and it's not until you kind of you're out of that moment um it's yeah it's, it's weird it, it's 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 interviewing is is a, a a weird process of of so much of it is asking the questions listening and then also kind of taking again i, I think i kind of described it once as like anytime that kind of you're talking now i'm I'm, I'm my gears are turning of like okay well what do I want to ask next how do I kind of like connect it to the new thing or or bits and bobs and yeah it's I there's a reason why anytime I stop the podcast or like end the podcast and stuff like that my, my brain turns to goop I, I can't yeah I, I can't think as much I imagine it was kind of the same for you kind of going through some of these yeah because during the during the earlier interviews you know I I had never interviewed people before so I was like I was incredibly nervous and Afterwards, <laughs> thinking, oh, I should have done this, should have done that, I should have done this. And I tell people, like, you know, I might send you some questions that are honest and okay, and say, and they always say, yeah, because like, why wouldn't they say, yeah? Um, and I kind of like the imperfection of an interview now, uh, of like, I don't want to have some perfect piece. I want to have a very personal piece. There was an interview very recently with Keanu Reeves where he just talked about uh, his life in the film industry. Yeah. And you know, the interviewer could have asked a whole bunch of other stuff, clearly, probably, but he didn't. That interview, in my mind, is perfect because it doesn't focus on trying to encompass the entirety of the subject. It encompasses a very human portion of it. And that's what I kind of like about the stuff I've been doing with it, polyhedral. Um, like, for example, the second person, I think, very early on, at least, uh, I interviewed Matthew Mercer, um, which, for the record... Uh, I don't know who all is going to hear this. I, I, I'm going to laugh if Matt does, but uh, Matt is the only one who has had any audio issues. <laughs> really? Seriously, I don't know what it was, but like his it, for his interview was just super super quiet. It was it was funny to me that this very high tech professional uh, is the only one who had an issue with recording. <laughs> um, but here's my second ever interview, and I had all these people when I was working on the marketing for Polyhedral tell me. Why don't you put Matt, Matt Moore? You have Matt on your on your thing. Push Matt forward. Put it at the top of the list. I'm like that's not the point, though. Yeah. The point isn't Matthew. The point is in, is designers, and that's what Matt is. Um, you know, I interviewed him. I did a second follow up interview later on. Uh, that'll be in the book. But like, <clears throat> I like the imperfection that I had in that first interview, and I like the imperfection that I have with the second interview. Yeah, because I'm I'm less. I'm so unconcerned with sticking to what people keep doing because media by and large bores the fuck out of me i'm i'm constantly fighting this battle of not being bored and 
the way that some interviews are are framed where they are just a conversation those are my favorite ones and so that's what i've been trying to aspire to yeah i'm very thankful that looking in hindsight that's kind of been the format of some of my earlier interviews as well yeah i i guess so that's one of my favorite things and it's obviously in having the kind of um the catalog from your first interviews to towards the end would you say your interview style had kind of changed over the journey yeah, and that I'm less nervous and there work and focus more on the person. Yeah. Um, like the the day and night of interview, my first interview and my second interview with Mercer uh, is like night and day. Yeah, I, I must admit, I feel like especially like going into like a, a new kind of interview thing and having like the second interview, I imagine of someone as as well well known as Matt Mercer probably <laughs> heightens the tension just just a little bit. I mean. Early on in my career, I did uh, I, I did work with Beetle and Grimm's. Mm. Um, and you know, I finished up one project, I started doing some detail work for another project, and the person part of that project, in charge of that project was Matthew Lillard. Um, Bill Rear was in charge of me for the first project, Matthew Lillard was in charge of me for the second project. And you know, we had a conversation getting to know each other, uh, talking about where, where I was at in life, where I was physically located, what kind of where. He wasn't what he was all about because he wanted to know who <coughs> was working for him, you yeah. know, which is not a bad thing to want, you know. At the very end, uh, he goes, "Okay, is there anything else you want to ask me?" Which, in hindsight, is a very obvious fucking bait. <laughs> uh, and I go, "Yeah, you know what? Fuck it, man. I watched Scooby Doo as a kid a lot, and and it made me feel better as a kid who, as a weird kid who wanted to have a dog." Yeah. You know, and he says, you know, I hear you. I understand you. I, I hear what you're saying. I respect that. I understand I hear it a lot. Yeah. But now we can just be bros who play D&D. &D, yeah. You know? Um, and that was great. Because, like, it's, to me now, <coughs> he's just Matt. Right? He's, some, he's someone's dad. He does some film stuff. He does some acting stuff. But he's just this fucking dork yeah. he's just a guy he's just a lad um which is it's so weird whenever i, I i'm talking to him at conventions or if, where people are just like are always like so hyped to see him um when i go on a tiktok and i see like teen teenagers calling him daddy uh it's just so weird because very clearly in my mind i, I was at last odyssey in 2019 and my friend lucia searsword who heads up Cena una was there handing out some pins because we both gotten we both uh, were sponsored to go there by uh, Dungeon Fog, mm -hmm. um, and it for me to write an essay for them, and uh, I remember him asking for a pin, and it turns like, well, it is pink, and him going, you think I can't rock pink? Like he's just a guy, yeah. and that's all what Mercer is too. Like I used to be, I used to be like so hyped for Matthew Colville. And like, I still appreciate his work, but like, I've done work for his company. He's just Matt. And I've had the same thing with Mercer, where it's like, yeah, uh, he's very well respected. He's very well known. He's also just a little fucking nerd. Yeah, I, I, I guess just I, a guy. I, I guess it's especially like, especially I, it's something that like uh, I, I I went through like a, a like a, a similar journey with like first time uh, like trying to, this podcast was just an excuse for me to kind of ch chat to cool people. Um, and the nerves you kind of feel, which you kind of, you do hit that tipping point where you're just like, just, just, just chat, you know? It's, it's, yeah. It, yeah. It's, 
it's cathartic in the sense of just talking to people who kind of know what you deal with. Yeah. You know? Um, like, no, sorry. No, no, please, but by me. Um, like we were, we worked on diesel together and like I just did a layout and stuff, but like um seeing y'all insert your humor into different different uh mods and writing was great. Cause I have to read all this shit as a layout designer <laughs> over and over. Yeah. Uh and I don't know, my favorite joke from that book was someone talking about uh which finger to put a to put a gun into. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that was um as yeah, it's easy to be uh I think I think the gun thing, that was definitely Cassandra. I think, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm sure. I, again, I, Diesel is is uh, I, again. Now that we're face to face, I can say beautiful book. I, I'm I'm so chuffed with kind of how how that all kind of came together, and and I'm I'm really kind of uh, chuffed that uh, Steve brought me on to kind of uh, come along for that journey. Um, I did want to I did want to ask. So seeing as we brought up um, bringing up like Matt Koval and as a bit of a segue, um, your uh, contribution to the Arcadius series of books. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was curious because was you did a uh, was it a series of like seasonal based subclasses. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like, what was kind of uh, was was this something that you kind of had kind of like brewing in kind of like home games or anything like that, or was it more just like you saw uh, like the pitch opportunity you were to like. Hey, well, originally, like I, I, I had this idea to make a to make more personal subclasses with uh, the idea of like making the horned horned one patron uh, very early on in my design career, and I just never did it because I didn't have the money to pay for an artist. And I'm very mindful of presentation being key to anybody engaging with anything you do. You know, um, like I'm a graphic designer, but mostly because it's my personality. Not because like it's my passion. I just, <laughs> I just had a flood of memes in my head just now. Holy shit! Oh yeah, with, uh, with you clip art, uh, frogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like you know, I, I had this idea for a long while, and I just never did anything with it. And when uh, they asked me to pitch some stuff to them, I thought, well, what about seasonal subclasses? I could do like four for an article, and if I'm ever brought on for another one, I could do like a year or two where I have more classes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I wanted to do uh, very narrative. I always like to do very narrative, uh, heavy emotional stuff, and this was an avenue for me to do that. Yeah, I, th- I think as well, it is kind of interesting how there is so much emotion kind of almost tied up with the seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I, I again, I I, <clears throat> I I wonder if it is different for maybe you across the pond, just because England side. We don't have too many. We don't have too many seasons. <laughs> it, it it feels like y'all have a very fast, uh, very fast spring, uh, winter, and summer, and just a permanent, uh, pervasive fall. Yeah, I I think that would be accurate. It's, we're used to things being somewhat brisk, and and there's wind, and there's grey, and there's a good chance of rain. Um, I don't know if that that it, like it does it doesn't it falls neatly into that kind of spring. Um, just without all the kind of, I don't know, I was going to call it happiness. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to paint the entirety of the, you know, the UK as a, a depressive state of affairs. Um, but no, so I guess, I, well, okay. Um, is there like a season that you kind of find yourself having kind of a natural affinity for? Because I think, I must admit, I think I definitely am like a winter person. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much pulled diametrically towards summer and winter. Um, I give no shits about fall. I give no shits about spring. Yeah. Um, but but summer, I I just feel comfortable. 
and winter, I can't help but overthink everything in my life. Yeah. <coughs> uh, I, I, never, I guess, oh, sorry, no, go ahead. I never celebrated Christmas growing up. Uh, so growing up, uh, I just had these two weeks off for no apparent reason to me. Yeah. Um, I would just have be separated from my, all my friends and classmates for a good two weeks just with my parents playing video games. Um, there's a rapper named Childish Gambino, and I brought this up during the Arcadia talk. Uh, and he released an album during winter, and his label was just so opposed to it because it wasn't a Christmas album. But like he grew up Jehovah's Witness, and they didn't. He, he grew up not having Christmas and celebrating that kind of, kind of kind of holiday, and so he grew up just having a lot of time to himself to think during winter, uh, and that resonated with me. Um, the seasonal subclass for anybody who isn't familiar uh, for winter in that article is wizard and it's all about hibernation and studying because for those for because like all throughout winter and even now like I just hunker down and read a lot yeah no wow yeah no I, it's yeah it, it's 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 kind of no it, it's just it's just fascinating I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't I don't have anything else to say other than that it's it's kind of it's, it's no um I hmm. Well, well, okay. Well, then, I so I, I guess would you say then um, that is kind of a a good chunk of your kind of creative process is kind of recognizing or trying to find that kind of emotional angle to kind of approach things from. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, <clears throat> I am thankful that being right that growing up, I was always taught emotional intelligence, uh, and not to like push anything down but just kind of to understand why I'm feeling certain things and kind of uh embrace what I'm feeling so that like I a didn't let it control me and b just kind of understand myself better I'm very thankful that I got raised up with that uh because it definitely helps with like design and storytelling um but everything I do these days is very much punctuated with how I feel through it uh like I write forwards for all the books that I do for example um, and I just I talk very openly about how I feel about things, why I do certain things, why uh, something might be very emotional. Uh, <laughs> I can't, when I start a project, I can't, I, I can't ever enjoy it unless I make it hyper personal for me. Interesting. Um, it's, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. No, no, it's fine. Um, there's, there's, I think you, I think you can uh, agree with this. There's a plethora of third-party fifth edition content out there right now. Uh, and it's very easy to get ignored amidst the noise. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm very confident that I can make stuff that is new and unique to people. Um, but part of that is making sure that I am emotionally and artistically invested into it. Yeah. Um, the, the pitch for incantations was just, hey, what if we had ritual spells for fifth edition? And that became incantations. Remember when magic was wonderful to you as a kid? Mm -hmm. um, with another project, uh, I'm thinking about what it was like to be, what, what it's like to be on stage and how role-playing is on some level theater with the percentage of sliding based on whether or not you're streaming or playing personal games, whatever. Um, and tying that to tarot cards. Uh, <clears throat> finding some intersection between uh, perceived fate and theater. Yeah. 
Um, I'm working on another book right now where I'm approaching the idea of like, uh, people go wild over, over very well made drinks, over, <laughs> over cocktails and like microbrews. And I've never heard someone talk so passionately about uh, liquor than I, uh, outside of things like football or D and D, you know, um, and embracing like fantasy drinks. I had a thread a while ago where I tell people choose a number between one and one thousand uh, on Twitter, and it depending on the number they chose, I would read from a spreadsheet I have about some fantasy drink. Wow. Um, finding things that are interesting to me and is typically aligned with finding things that people aren't otherwise doing. For the the, <clears throat> the, the, the a thousand uh, link, was that more of a case of like, that's just like a, a, a spreadsheet that you kind of had open that every now and then you kind of had the idea you would kind of, or was it kind of a, a good chunk of it was, was it like literally sitting down, dedicating an hour or so to like, let's see how many kind of like cocktails I can kind of turn through. I've been playing uh, tabletop games since I was 10. Uh, and my father introduced me to D&D when I was three. <laughs> wow. So that, that, so that I've all, yeah. So like these ideas have always been kind of part of my life and always, always, always people talk about like meals and drinks and whatnot. As, as you are served your food, you get your ale. Mm-hmm. Um, but like people don't know what the fuck ale is half the time. And even when they do, it's boring as shit. And you see people talk so, so heavily and so dramatically, almost operatically. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to roll with it. I, I, uh, I believe it. About IPAs and uh, microbrews. And I can't tell the difference, but they're very passionate about it. And I don't know. I feel like that kind of passion can be contagious. It can vape properly. Um, and I'm working on the spreadsheet since I was like 15. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I just had an idea, like, I have all these ideas for drinks. I'm just not writing them down. Um, and eventually came to this, like, list of 1,000 drinks. So, I, what, so I, I, to go back to kind of an earlier point as well, um, that I, I was, I, 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 again, I wanted to ask you about the spreadsheet just because it blows my mind. Um, sure. But you kind of mentioned how, again, a good chunk of your, um, the, the way you kind of approach emotions through a project is, is once you kind of have that lens to kind of view it. So obviously, like, looking at the rituals, it's a case of, like, Okay, yeah. How how easy is it sometimes to try and f- find that lens? Because it, it, I imagine, like, obviously, because coming at it from like I guess like an emotional standpoint, sometimes there are again multiple perspectives or ways to kind of tackle it. Um, is it literally just is is it just kind of I was unsure if I was trusting your gut or trusting your heart, so my hand went in the middle part of and I, I don't know anatomy that well. Um, so <laughs> trusting your trusting yourself. <laughs> It's it's more like trying to find something that makes me feel feel something in a new way or feel something new entirely. Hmm. Um, I very much have have consumed just a, a dearth of media in my life. Um, at certain points in my life, some media hits harder than others. Hmm. I always try and find ways to make things that I'm working on hit me. Yeah, which. Doesn't sound great, mind you. <laughs> um, where it's like, yeah, media has to hurt me, which like it's no, not that. But like, I I know the feeling of watching a movie for the first time. I know the feeling of listening to a great prog rock album for the first time and just being totally unprepared for it. I 
like everybody who listens to pop music knows about Dua Lipa, you know, but not everybody knows about uh, Rina Sawayama. Um, and, yeah, you had yeah. the line to think. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and she's great. She's a, she's a, a great recording artist from London. Um, but trying to find ways to get people to feel more, even if it's this, in a similar line of thinking as other stuff they consumed. Yeah. Um, like I've definitely seen people make a bunch of spell books on Kickstarter, where it's like we have four hundred spells. We have 5,000 spells and all these subclasses and all these items. Check out our book. Uh, incantations is like maybe 50 spells total uh, and 12 subclasses. But I'm going at it with uh, a way to make it interesting for me. Yeah. Which was thinking about growing up, I really truly believed that witches existed. I never saw one. But, I, but that's were, just that, that's just how witches are, though. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, but I fully believe that they were a part of our world. Uh, like quicksand exists, but I definitely thought it would play a larger role in my life, according to cartoons. Yeah. You know. Um, and like, not to say that I I'm so closed off to the idea of magic, but like, no one came to my doorstep and said I'm the chosen one. No one said that uh, I was going to save the world. No one said I'm destined for anything great. No one. No one told me that no one showed me that magic is real um but like cartoons also told me that like you know uh love is real you know people cartoons show me all the time that like <clears throat> traits like loyalty and caring and family are very powerful forces in the same breath as like tell me yeah lightning exists but you know what's cool too respecting your parents you know because very after school special stuff right I, like even though there wasn't you know controlled lightning even though i can't uh hawk a fireball outside of a molotov you know things like love and friendship and family do exist just as i get older i i dropped dropped i drop understandings of like you know teleportation and and get more nuanced the ways of like caring for another human being I, I think as well, it just kind of says that obviously looking at everything kind of before as those awe-inspiring moments, like, you know, in any sort of like media and stuff like that, I think it is interesting to say that, yeah, every kind of medium, whether it is, you know, like a like a, a series of rituals or, you know, adventure or whatever the project is, can have that potential of impact to someone. But it's just kind of going in with the right mindset of like, well, no, I, you need to cultivate it. You, you kind of, you need to treat it with the, the potential to have, you know, if it's inspiring to you, that it's in it. I was about to say it's infectious, but in the in the well, nicest sense of the term, yeah. There's uh, there's a guy on YouTube named Captain Christian who he had he makes pop he makes these video essays on different things in pop culture, uh, and in his video about tsunami, he talks about how uh, back in like the late nineties, early two thousands, uh, you had like four kids TV who would talk about Dragon Ball Z, going uh, Goku and his friends fight off some pretty nasty dudes in Dragon Ball Z. Whereas with Toonami, it was like Goku faces off against Vegeta in a standoff. You know, one is very patronizing. One actually cares about the medium. Because Toonami was full of nerds and people who cared about these stories and, and cartoons and curated in such a way to show that they had a passion for these things. And for anybody who watched Toonami growing up, it talks about it now, is just so all into to the hype of Toonami because it respectfully showed them things that they are now into. Um, you know, I went into incantations thinking about how I was so 
so invested into magic like everybody else was. And when we all grew up, we all abandoned these notions of childhood. And I wanted to recapture that for incantations. Yeah. No, and no, that's no. all sprawling from just idea of like, hey, what if we had rituals in fourth edition, from yeah. fourth edition in D and D, uh, into fifth edition D and D. But it's it's like I said, it's that it's that lens. It's like you know, whatever, regardless of what the project is, it is just finding that kind of like personal lens that kind of, um, yeah, just just. As I call, I, like it enhances it. I was about to call it like cinnamon or like the spice or something. Um, that's a bad analogy. Um, but yeah, no, awesome. Um, so then I guess kind of, I guess over everything that you've kind of done then, um, if you were to, um, I don't know, this is, this is a question I always kind of like to ask in terms of like uh, a, a lesson to kind of pass on to like the people kind of listening. Um, but is, is there ever like a lesson that you've learned through just creating everything that you've created that maybe you wish you'd learned sooner? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's not, it's not a succinct piece of advice, but you're going to see a lot of people who make things for all kinds of reasons. There's never any one way to make a certain thing or one way to go about making what you want to make. You know, some people make a bunch of stuff on DMs Guild and they make a bunch of parody stuff and humor stuff and some people go into making stuff with an agenda. Finding why you want to make stuff and finding the things that you want to make uh, is almost as important as, as making. <coughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. Um, finding out why you want to make stuff or why you make stuff is almost as important as making stuff. Because um, making things without active thought or active care. Uh, is a good way to make very pointless noise. Mm. Figuring out why you create, figuring out the reason behind your need to create yeah. is the way to go about making things that actually last. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, no, I, I, I can, it's one of the things where I always, I always come away like, I disagree. Um, and yeah, and, and sometimes it is that kind of reflective journey of just, just looking in um, and I get by leaning into those kind of um, uh, that words <laughs> by, 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 yeah, like once you kind of have that reason, leaning into it again, the products you kind of make coming out of it are, are that much kind of more personal um, and kind of reflect your kind of intentions, I suppose. Um, but that's a much less succinct way of saying what you just said. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna move on swiftly. Um, and uh, it kind of um, brings around to kind of the the kind of wider community as as kind of a whole. Um, again, working with a, a number of kind of collaborations, kind of all, all over the place. Um, would you say there are like someone or like people within the kind of the tabletop RPG community that kind of stand out as points of inspiration with at least your way of approaching projects? I don't know, honestly, because some people approach their projects in very analytical ways and very serious ways. Some people approach their projects with like a very a healthy amount of joy and parody in mind. And a lot of people are very focused on uh, <clears throat> themes and central ideas. Whereas I approach things in a very, what's the word I want to use here? Fairy tale emotional manner. Mm. Um, it's very hard to summarize or predict my my decision making process when it comes to the things I create, 
or why I make things I want to do. So finding anybody similar is like trying to find X object in Y stack where you don't know what the, you're looking for or where to look for it. Yeah. I, I was gonna say, so like in, in obviously this was it, this is episode like 103 of, of this podcast. Stuff and I don't think I've ever had anyone kind of uh, discuss or speak about projects in the same way that you do. And it's it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's just deeply fascinating. And, and I, I definitely, you can kind of, you can see from almost like from us chairing the Shang, it, you you get a glimpse of that lens that you're looking at projects through, and and it kind of reveals so much more that was kind of beneath the surface that you could otherwise lose without the kind of without your kind of commentary. Um, and again, I always think there is almost like scope for like a um, uh, almost like a, a you really re-release projects with like with added commentary, <laughs> and that's where you can just go through and annotate everything of like oh yeah this this layout piece or this was a bitch. It took me way too long to make this look right, or you know uh, talking about like design choices. I mean, um, if you want to get literal, like uh, one of the supposed incantations took me 93 drafts. Wow. Yeah. I, I, people think, people think that I'm uh, more busy than I actually am. And people think that I'm working on so many things. Really, I'm just very methodical about the few things I interact with. Um, just because uh, anything that I make really has to come from me, not some, not, not anything else that I might be taking in. There is an author named Chuck Klossman who I deeply admire. He writes pop culture video, video he writes pop culture essays. Um, <clears throat> and in one of his essays, he talks about authenticity and how people seek out authenticity whenever they feel they're lacking any of, the, any of themselves. Uh, I can't make anything unless it's true to form me. Um, which means that I expose myself quite a lot in everything I make, but it means that everything I do is more real. It's, would you say a good chunk of that kind of like iterative process, like reaching the you know, uh, 90th or so like iterative like attempt of, is, is, that, is that kind of like a refining process of like reaching that point until it is that kind of as authentic as it could be for you? For me, it's, I take a lot of media and I have this, I, I have this theory that I'm never, ever going to try and prove. I just, I have, and I think it's true Yeah. where people are trained by the media they take in. Um, and, you know, that's good and bad because you can learn a lot of stuff without having to go through the pain of learning certain things. Mm -hmm. Like it's awful to learn that, Hey, you can hurt your friends sometimes. It's much easier if you like watch Sesame Street and learn, Oh, if you aren't careful, you can hurt your friends. You know, um, I, I, the spell itself uh, deals with, and I guess content notice for anybody triggered by talks about the afterlife or death, uh, deals with, uh, you cast a spell, you cast a spell on the body and no one can like bring it, you can, they can't reanimate it, they can't use speak of dead with it, they can't uh, consume it for nourishment, they can't consume you they can't eat it and gain some of your knowledge or power mm -hmm. they can't uh take it over but the person can't be resurrected anymore i started the idea of that spell back in i want to say uh july june mm -hmm. and then i lost my friend and i'd constantly write in drafts and it would just feel fake like i was writing something from a hallmark card and i couldn't stand that yeah i can't abide that kind of filler in my work or in my life.
I, I truly cannot. It's why I can't ever buy like a birthday card. They fucking hate birthday cards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one, no one like unless it's like has that kind of like essay like personal note written on like the inside of the note. No one's ever really going to keep a birthday card. Yeah, but in uh, in the final in the final thing of it, um, trying to pull up the document really quick here. No, um, I figured out the phrasing of it. And for all these spells, uh, we have like the, the you know casting time and range component duration, and we have a description of the spell itself. But I, we also have like uh, a quick descriptive blurb, a whole paragraph yeah. describing what it's like to cast the spell. Uh, one of the lines in that paragraph, which took me so long to figure out, was uh, you have to fit the shape of goodbye in what you say to them and hope it travels to them safely. I'm not going to find that in, like, a Get Well Soon card. No. I'm not going to find anything like that in a Hallmark card. I had to pull something very, very real out uh, for the spell, more real than I initially intended to. And when I say 93 drafts, I mean, like, sometimes I, I start writing a sentence and think that entire feeling, that entire emotion is false. Yeah. And I couldn't have that. I know. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's, it's kind of incredible. And, and I, yeah, I, I think even just hearing you speak that, that, that authenticity just kind of like leads through. Um, Thank you. But oh, I, oh, I'm kicking myself because I'm looking at the time and, and we, we've done it, Paladin. It's, 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 been, it's been an hour. I mean, um, I got nothing else going on today. <laughs> <laughs> like I, 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 again, it's that case of where for the format, um, I've, 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 I've kept, kept it. Like you know, I, you know, I, I, I control the format. Um, you know, I, I'm, 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 I, I'm in charge. Uh, but, but no, uh, it is, it's also getting, <laughs> getting like real late in, in my time. So, um, so, so what I will do is, um, I will, I will again. First of all, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's, it's been an, honestly an, an eye-opening pleasure. So, thank you so much for that. Um, thank you for having me on. No, uh, but obviously, uh, before kind of leaving, um, I, I obviously want to kind of like give you the opportunity to kind of uh, shout out some of the cool stuff you're currently working on, and kind of more importantly, where people can kind of stay up to date and follow you, and and you know hear about all the, all the cool stuff on the on coming <clears throat> on the horizon. Sure. Uh, this year, I got a couple of projects going into crowdfunding. Not saying Kickstarter because they're doing some weird shit with the blockchain and we're exploring other options, but I got projects on the horizon. Uh, I generally don't talk about them until I start doing marketing for them, but if you want to find out where, what I'm up to, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram under HTTPaladin. Uh, and as I say on panels, please don't find me on Facebook. That's weird. Yeah, that, that, that is weird. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's a nice sentiment. Um, but no, again, I, yeah, I, I will say thank you again because that's how thankful I am. Um, I've, been, I've been Matthew Whitby. You can find me at Whitby Writes. Um, I have a new adventure out. Um, the uh, Tome of Silence, Astral Sound of Our Attack of... Sorry, it helps if I get the title right. <laughs> the, the, the Tome of Silence, Attack of the Astral Sound of Hours um, is out now, uh, and there'll be a link to that in the description. So uh, take, take a look if you're into kind of some pulpy, pulpy horror. Um, other than that, it, it goes to my favourite and final question of the podcast, um, which is, uh, Paladin, how do, you, how do you end one? Like this. <laughs> <laughs>